right. Mark, ever. It's Matthew, Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. We're going to be camped out in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 21. And uh, before we get started, I, I do want to say that our, um, you guys know that week in and week out, most of the time, our guy who stands up here and does announcements for us is Chris Wallace. Chris, stand up for us over here, man. You guys may not, but yeah, Chris. Um, Chris is actually, this is going to be your last Sunday with us, correct? And, uh, and then your wife and kids are going to be a couple, two more weeks. They're, uh, they're moving out to Nashville uh, for, for job opportunity. I see you guys shaking your head like, no. I know, it's sad. We're going to miss you guys. And we're going to pray with you guys at the end of the service. And so just, just want to let everybody know that. So. All right. Well, the title of the message today is this. Um, can you say that again? I want you to, can you guys do that for me? Can you guys say that for me? Can you say, um, can you say that again? You got to catch y'all, y'all were like, does he know, does he not know what the title of his sermon? That's the title of my sermon, I'm not kidding. Let's try it again. You, you guys awake? Let's try it again, you ready? You got to kind of do it, you got, um, can you say that again? Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say that, all right? Um, can you say that again? All right. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 21. And I am going to be reading from the message. Sometimes I read from the NIV. Sometimes I read from the NLT. Sometimes I read from the New American Standard. But this morning, I'm going to be reading from the message. I like the way the message says this, uh, these few verses here. And before I read it, I do want to pray. And uh, so let's do that. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for our earthly fathers. We thank you for uh, you as being our heavenly father, our perfect heavenly father that loves us unconditionally. Uh, we thank you for uh, Jesus and we thank you for the grace and mercy that you showed us through Jesus and him dying on the cross for our sins. Father, we thank you for passages like this that we're going to read this morning. We thank you uh, for just the, the hope that it brings and the encouragement that it brings. And Father, my prayer this morning is, is that your spirit would just fill this place, that your spirit would move throughout uh, the hearts of individuals and that we would listen to what you have to say, that we would hear it and, and that we would see our need for Jesus. Father, thank you so much for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Jesus has just finished the parable of the sower. We talked about that last week. And if you weren't here, if you missed that sermon, uh, feel free to go onto our website and go to media. And you can listen to that sermon uh, there. So this is what Jesus says. He's finished the parable of the sower. He says, Jesus went on. He says, does anyone bring a lamp home and put it under a wash tub or beneath the bed? Don't you put it up on a table or on a mantle? We're not keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're not hiding things. We're bringing them out into the open. Verse 23, are you listening to this? Really listening. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. Be wary of the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. It's giving, not getting 
is the way. Generosity begets generosity, and stinginess impoverishes. I love that verse 23. Are you listening to this? Really, really listening. Jesus makes this statement three times in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Three times he makes that statement. And then we don't see that statement again until the very last letter of the Bible in the book of Revelation. When, when John is receiving the revelation from God to the seven churches, and he ends each letter with, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the angel is saying. Are you listening? We live in a world where listening is not really encouraged. From cell phones to emails to Facebook to Twitter to conversations, it's really all about speaking. It's not about listening, right? I mean, you can even get a degree in communication. I have one. But there's no degree in listening. There's not even a class in listening. Not once did I ever take a class in listening. Now, I had to listen to my teachers in order to get good grades or to hear what the assignments were, but there's no class on the art of listening. You can go to the bookstore, Barnes & Noble, and there's a whole section on communication. There's no corresponding section on listening. I mean, let's be honest. People in our world like to speak. We like to hear ourselves speak. We like to talk. People are not trained to listen. And sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes, we can even be bad at listening. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Uh, for instance, uh, we have an uh, almost four-year-old son. He's going to be four in August. And uh, his name is Jude. And you guys, uh, maybe if you've been here for long enough, you've seen him running around the halls acting crazy. And um, he's just imitating his dad. That's all he's doing. And so, but I don't know if it was preschool this past year, but he just opened up the floodgates and talking. I mean, he's talking a lot now. I mean, a lot. I mean, like, beating me down a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, driving me crazy. I'm just being honest. Like, he's talking a lot, right? Driving me crazy. But that's good. That's good. That's good. But he's at the age where he's talking a lot, and he likes to, uh, the way he does this is he'll ask you questions, and he wants you to repeat what he just said. Anybody else have uh, kids that age that, that did that, where they're talk, they say something to you, and then they want you to repeat back what they said? Anybody else like that? Am I the only one? Okay, I see some heads like this and this. Okay, so, and this is what he says. He'll say, so he'll say what he wants, what he says, and he'll say, you say that, Daddy? Daddy, you say that? Now, I'm just being honest because, I mean, this is like constant, right? And sometimes I'm distracted. Sometimes I'm kind of like maybe not engaged or focused like I should be. And, and sometimes he'll say, Daddy, you say that? Daddy, you say that? And I'm trying to say what he said. But I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it the way he said it. So he's getting frustrated. And, and, and then that's when I have to just say, um, can you say that again? Can you say that again? Now, I, there have been countless times. I mean, I could just, there are countless times that Robin, my, my wife, she's beautiful, uh, just talented, uh, whatever, just has been communicating. She's sitting over here, she's laughing. Has been communicating something to me, Right? And this is something that, like, maybe it's a grocery list or maybe it's something for me to do. And uh, maybe, maybe there's noise in the background, like a TV, or maybe there's a baby crying or somebody throwing a fit or whatever. Or maybe I'm just mesmerized by her beauty. I don't know what it is, okay? That's it. That's it. That's, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. But, but she'll be saying something, right? And then all of a sudden, my brain hears something. It triggers. I'm like, wait a minute. She just said something that I think was important, but I didn't fully hear it. You know what I mean? 
To which I have to say, um, can you say that again? Can you say that again? Just this past week, I kid you not, I was on the phone with my dear sweet mom. She's going to be listening to this podcast. And uh, she just had hip, hip surgery. She spent some time here in Richmond with us doing rehab, and she's back home now. And, uh, and she was on the phone with her, and I was watching the basketball game while talking to my mom. Never a good idea, right, guys? Just, just either don't make the phone call or just pause the game. We can pause it now. we got DVR. So I'm sitting there, I'm watching the game, I'm talking to my mom, and my mom is asking me about directions to her physical therapy's uh, office in Christiansburg. And the reason why she's asking me is because Robert and I used to live in Christiansburg, and so we know the area well. And she's asking me about directions, and I respond with a yes. And my mom says, Aaron, are you listening to me? To which I reply, um, can you say that again? Can you say that again? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, this is the idea behind what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, are you really listening? In other words, don't just hear my words. Don't let these words fall by the wayside, but I want you to listen intently. The idea here is that Jesus is saying, I want you to seek after what I'm saying. I want you to pay attention. This is one of those, um, can you say that again, Jesus, moments, okay? Jesus has just finished explaining the parable, the story. Uh, parable is a story illustration of the sower and to his 12 disciples. And in verse 21, he begins to tell another parable. We read it just a few minutes ago, and this is what it says. Jesus went on. He says, does anyone bring a lamp home and put it under a wash tub or beneath the bed? Don't you put it up on a table or on the mantle. Now this parable is actually a prophetic parable about Jesus himself. He is saying, don't you realize that the light has come? God has sent, if you would, his lamp into the world. Now we all know that when we walk into a dark room and turn a lamp on, what happens? The lamp illumines, right? It lights up the room. Now the Bible oftentimes contrasts light and darkness. And what's interesting is that the scripture opens up with a focus of darkness and light. In the very first book of Genesis, Genesis records, Moses records the words of God and they were, anybody know? Let there be light. This was not by accident. See, when God first formed the heavens and the earth, Moses tells us that the earth was without form and void and that the darkness spread across the face of the deep. It was into this world of darkness that God spoke the very first words, let there be light. So there was light before there was ever a sun or a moon or stars. That's not by accident, right? Why is that? Because God is showing us that it's His glory, it's His majesty, it's His awesomeness, right? That He is a source of this light. His glory shines and illumines and gives light to life. Now in John's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's the fourth Gospel, one of Jesus' disciples, he records in John 1.5 these words, he says, the light, referring to Jesus, shines in the darkness. Now if you don't get anything out of this today, I want you to hear these words, okay? This is what I want you to just really tattoo this on your arm. Jesus is the light that pushes back the darkness. Jesus is the light 
that pushes back the darkness. Those who claim to follow Jesus are oftentimes referred to as walking in the light. Throughout Scripture, light is used metaphorically to symbolize righteousness, holiness, blameless, purity, without any fault or blemish. Those that don't follow Jesus are referred to as walking in darkness. Darkness tends to be used metaphorically with evil, wickedness, something immoral, something uh, vile, something criminal, criminal, or sinful. I mean, you ever notice, you ever watch a horror flick, right, and it's always kind of dark and dreary in that, in that horror movie? It's like, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing it. And then all of the action always takes place at what? Night? Dark? That's just the way it is. So let's just get real for a second. Because I don't think any of us would disagree that the world we live in is dark and evil. Would you agree? Right? Every single day we wake up, we are constantly reminded that the world we live in is just busted up. It's just busted up. All you got to do is turn on the TV and you see, I mean, public shootings, you see social injustice. I mean, there's darkness everywhere. And darkness makes us fearful. And the reason the world is busted up is because of sin. God did not create things this way. This is not the way that God uh, wanted things to go. This is not the way it was supposed to be. But it's because of our rebellion against God. So we've chosen to do life our way. We've said, God, we don't think your way is best, and we've kind of walked away from that. And that's called sin. Sometimes I'll tell Jude, when he's at that doorstep of getting ready to do something that's not right, I'll say, now Jude, listen and obey. Because if you listen and obey, things will go well for you. But if you don't listen and obey, guess what? Things will not go well for you. And it's the same way for us. We chose to go the wrong way. We chose incorrectly. And as a result, we see busted relationships. We see marriages that are just barely hanging on rather than thriving. We see friendships that are deteriorating. I mean, we look to things to, to fill us up. We, we get addicted to things because of sin like drugs or alcohol or eating or work or sex. And we look through those things to fill us up or to bring us satisfaction. And the bottom line is those things were never meant to bring satisfaction. Now, you may find temporary satisfaction in those things, but in the end, they always leave us feeling what? Guilty, hopeless, empty, dejected. I mean, you, you beat yourself up, right? It's like, man, because of sin, sickness and death entered the world. Because of sin, we constantly struggle with who we are. We struggle with our identity. Because of sin, we sometimes just feel hopeless. I mean, it's depressing, right? I mean, the world is just is dark. It doesn't know God. It doesn't love God. It doesn't seek after God. The world is filled with darkness. And Jesus is saying that I am the light. In fact, John records, and G, records Jesus in John 8, 12. It was read, Evan read it for us earlier this morning. He said, and I've got it up on the screen. Yeah, go ahead. There you go. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, why would anyone bring a lamp home and hide it? Why would you cover it up? I imagine, I imagine the scene that day. I imagine Jesus kind of looking at his 12 disciples, and he says, he says listen up, boys. Listen up, Chester Christian Church. Pay attention. Take notes. Here is what I'm saying. I am the light that pushes back the darkness. 
hear his words, hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is the light that brings healing. He brings hope to our hopeless situations. Where there is brokenness, Jesus restores. Marriages that are falling apart can be redeemed. Where there is hurt and heartache, Jesus heals. Where there is anxiety and fear, Jesus calms and brings peace. Man, I want you to take comfort this morning that there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That there is no situation that you are going through that the gospel can't reach. Jesus says, I am the light that pushes back the darkness. Don't just hear these words, but investigate, seek after, listen up. See, light also reveals, right? Light also exposes. Jesus, who is the light, pushes back the darkness by dealing with our sin. See, every single person is a sinner, and we can't do anything to fix our sin problem. See, our problem is not our sin. Our problem is that we can't fix our sin. You can't come to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't do enough good things. There's no scales with God, okay? You just can't do it. Can't do it. And so Jesus has come into the world. He is light that reveals sin in our life. It exposes the dirtiness of our hearts. And when we see how wicked and dirty our hearts are, it drives us to Jesus because He is our Savior and Redeemer. This is why Jesus went to the cross, to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus dies for our sin. He rises for our salvation. And when we surrender our hearts to Him and place our faith in Jesus, we are made pure, holy, and without blemish. Are you listening to this? I mean, do you hear this? This is good stuff. I mean, we are positionally holy before God. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us, we are positionally holy before God. Not by anything that we've done, solely by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, this is good news, right? I mean, I tell you, I told first service, man, that, that when I'm writing this stuff over in my office, like, I get so... Like, my adrenaline starts, like, right now. Like, I'm ready to just bust because this is so good. And I get so excited when I'm writing this stuff that I just got to kind of walk away from my desk and get up and just walk around. You guys feel that way? I mean, we can get up and walk around if you want. Right? I mean, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. And this is crucial because when this happens, our status changes. We become children of light. We become children of God. When we, we become children of God as Christians, God places in us the Holy Spirit. This is God in us and this light that is in us and it shines through us. This changes our identity. The Bible says that the old things have passed away and that all things are made new. That we're a, a new creation. A new person with a new identity in Christ. And Jesus says, pay attention. Listen up, hear this, because out of that new identity, there's new activity. In other words, God does something in you, and God does some things through you. Listen to what he says in verses 22 and 23. He says, we're not keeping secrets. We're telling them. We're not hiding things. We're bringing them out in the open. Are you listening to this? Really listening? This is the translation. Jesus just said, boys, Chester Christian Church, get ready because we're going global on this thing. All right? 
The light is here. The kingdom of God is here. This ain't no time for keeping secrets. This ain't no time for turning out the light. This is the beginning of the revelation of the gospel good news, and we're not stopping until it's been totally, totally revealed. I mean, it's so big, it's so bright that it can't be hidden. So, so let's, let's take a second and unpack that. I want to take you to another text in Ephesians. So you're in Mark right now. Just go ahead and flip over a few books to Ephesians. Um, yeah, I got it up on the screen as well. So if you, if you don't have a Bible, you can look, follow it on the screen. The Apostle Paul writes the book of Ephesians. If, for whatever reason, you're ever in a, in a Bible challenge with somebody and they ask you a question about who wrote a certain book in the New Testament and you don't know it, just say Paul and you'll probably be right most of the time. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, so it's always a safe bet. If, if, if you don't say Paul, say Jesus, right? Jesus is always the right answer, right? All right? You guys can laugh, man. It's okay. It's Father's Day. It's the Lord's Day, yeah? All right. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Now, you have to understand that Paul, when he writes, he also uh, has this theme of light and darkness that he uh, uses throughout Scripture. And so this is what he says. For you were once, he's talking to Christians here, for you were once darkness. You were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Live out your new identity. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now hang with me here for a second because I want to make a connection. Last week we talked about the parable of the sower. You have a farmer who's throwing out seed, which represents the word of God, and the seed falls on all types of, four types of soil. And out of those four soils, one type produces fruit, right? So the idea is that when the gospel, the good news, takes root in someone's heart, when they recognize their need for Jesus, when they recognize the wickedness in their heart, and it takes root, they'll bear much fruit and that fruit will be a light that shines and pushes back the darkness. And this is exactly what Jesus and Paul are saying. This is our identity has changed. The gospel has taken root in our life, and the light produces fruit. We are constantly and continually being changed and transformed more and more into the image of God. And therefore, we bring God's light into the world. So Jesus is saying, hear me, hear me. Listen up. Pay attention. Seek after this. This is not passive, but this is active. Our faith is, is active faith. I grab a hold of the understanding that I have now. I live on the basis of the gospel. And as I do that, God continues to mature me. He continues to grow me. And then Jesus goes on to say in verses 24 and 25, he says, Be cautious of clever advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity creates generosity stinginess impoverishes. So, so hear this, church. This is, this is why the gospel is so good. Because not only how I see myself changes, I see myself as a child of God now. I don't see myself as a sinner condemned, but I see myself as a child of God redeemed. But how I see others changes too. Because God has loved me and is changing me, I can in turn love others and pour into them as well. See how the gospel just kind of liberates us from that? 
You see how the gospel just frees us up to be able to love others as Christ loved us? Because God loved us in our sin and he loved us in our messiness, it frees us up then to love others in their mess. We don't have to look to them and put them up on a pedestal to be somebody for us that they can't be. The gospel frees us up from that. We can love them the way Christ loved us because Christ is that person. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Are you guys, are you guys awake? All right. Okay, I just make sure. I, uh, yeah. Um, can you say that again? Listen. <laughs> Jude, Jude like that. He laughed. All right. The gospel removes the ability to judge harshly. Rather, it creates compassion. It allows us to come alongside people to walk with them through their mess. Now, hear me on this, okay? That does not mean that we turn our head towards, uh, turn our head from sin. If we see somebody that's walking in sin, it doesn't mean that we walk away from that. It doesn't mean that we can't, ju- that's not what that passage is saying. What it's saying is the gospel has freed us up to be able to walk with them in that sin. Hey, man, come alongside of them. Point them to Jesus. See, oftentimes what we want to do is we want to distance ourselves from people. God is saying, no, 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 no. We're not hiding our light, man. We're, we're revealed. We're, this, is, this is going global, man. Come on, in your neighborhoods, and your schools, and your workplace. That's what he's saying. He says the gospel has freed us up to be able to do this, to be able to walk with people in their messiness and point them to Jesus. Because we've received grace, we give grace. We are being changed and transformed and becoming more and more like Jesus. We're producing the fruit in our life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And we are lights that are pushing back the darkness. The more we become like Jesus, the more people will see Jesus and less and less they see of us. I love it. Generosity creates generosity. We become a light that pushes back the darkness. So the opposite is true. If the gospel has not taken root in our life, if we have not recognized our need for Jesus, then then we're going to be stingy with that. You see what I'm saying? We're not going to show people grace and mercy and compassion. We're not going to engage in people. Does that make sense? And, And it says it's going to be taken away from us. That's kind of the idea here. got to be all about Jesus. So, practically, what does this look like in our lives? Well, as a church, this past week, we loved on teachers at Harrogate Elementary School. And uh, for the last couple of years, we've been doing this. We've been providing lunch for them and serving them. And uh, we have several folks here that mentor at Harrogate Elementary School uh, for uh, at-risk students. And so this past week, we just had the opportunity to, to, to love one of the teachers and to serve them. And we were a light pushing back the darkness. Each week during the school year, you guys bring in backpack food, food uh, that goes home on the weekends with kids at Harrogate Elementary School that go home on the weekends that might not have food. For whatever circumstance or situation they go home to, it could be that they just come from a bus at home, it could be that they... Uh, parents are just strung out on drugs. Who, who knows the situation, circumstance? But when they get that bag of food that you guys have provided on the weekend, they go home with it, guess what? You're a light that's pushing back the darkness. We bring hope into those kids' lives. We have a military ministry here that week in and week out, we take uh, cookies that you guys bake 
to them. They have Bible studies that they participate with them on base. I mean, think about it. These, these folks who are away from home, they're in difficult circumstances, situations, and you guys are being a light that's pushing back to darkness. We have groups that minister on a regular basis at Beaumont Correctional Facility. We have groups here at Chester Christian Church that go every other week to Chesterfield Detention Center. Think about the situations that they see. Teenagers that have already just messed up royally. They probably feel hopeless, right? They feel like they're not loved. And yet we got folks that go into those facilities, they engage with them, and they love on them, and they show them compassion, they show them mercy, and they show them Jesus. They are a light that's pushing back the darkness. You guys tracking? Making sense? Man, let's, let's make this a little bit more personal for us. It's Father's Day, right? So fathers and husbands, when you, love your life, when you love your wife well, when you move towards her, when you love her like Christ loved the church, when you love your children well, when you point them to Jesus, when you pay attention to what's going on in their hearts, when the gospel is being modeled within your home, guess what? You're a light that's pushing back the darkness. We have awesome small groups and small group leaders that are encouraging each other, that are walking through life together. They're in the middle of each other's messes. They're serving together. They're showing compassion together. They're doing all these things. They are a light that's pushing back the darkness. We love our enemies when we are kind to strangers, when we reach out to widows and orphans and the poor, the needy, when we engage with unbelievers on our street. We are a light that's pushing back the darkness. See, the gospel drives us to this. I mean, if you're in Christ this morning, think about it, right? We were once foreigners from God. We were, we were, we were enemies of God, right? We were lost. We were orphaned. We were widowed. You were whatever you want to call it. And yet God moves towards us. He pursues us. And he shows us love and mercy and compassion and grace. Guys, the gospel drives us to it. And because of that, we can in turn do the same thing. We are a light pushing back the darkness. You guys good? All right, I want to do something with you. I want to do a little, little, little experiment here. Uh, you guys, if you have a phone, first service, I think some people were like, I've got a flashlight on my phone. Flash your phone. If you've got a flashlight on that phone, I want you to turn it on. Uh, if you've got a lighter, you can pull out a lighter too. I don't care. Just don't burn the church down. But if you do, that's okay too. All right. Uh, go ahead and turn out all the lights. Oh, yeah, it's going to get dark in here. And uh, just go ahead, one by one, as you get your lights, go ahead and turn those on. Now, I, mean, I know it wasn't completely dark in here, but you guys get the idea what light does. Yeah. Yeah, it's a phone. That's, that, that's awesome. All you guys, that's good. Well, what I want you guys to see is just what a difference. Uh, you can turn the lights, the lights back up. Just want you guys to see what a difference uh, light makes when it pushes back the darkness. And so that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to do in this passage of Scripture. He says, man, 
I am a light that has come into the world to push back the darkness. You, in turn, are my disciples. You are my followers. And I'm putting my spirit in you to be the light in your community, in your house, in your workplace, to be a light that pushes back the darkness. Does that make sense? Every single week, we, uh, we do what's called communion here. And communion is just an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and celebrate that. And here in just a few minutes, the uh, guys will pass around a tray of bread and a cup of juice. And I want to encourage you to take that bread um, and take that juice and just take some time to reflect upon what Christ did for us. He went to the cross for our sins and he died in our place. He took the full wrath of God on himself. And um, I want you to think and then I want you to celebrate it by taking the bread and the cup of juice. And, um, and we're going to have instrument playing back here as we're doing that, and then the band will start singing again. And, um, but I want to pray for us, all right? Father, we thank you so much for this text. We thank you for Jesus, who is the light that has come into the world to push back the darkness. Father, we thank you that you um, have chosen us to be your instruments, to that God, that you want us to uh, partner with you in this plan of redemption, to be a light that pushes back the darkness. Father, we thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, this time that we have to come and remember that and to celebrate that and the life that we have in him. And I just pray, God, as we, uh, as we do this, that you would just stir in our hearts. Thank you for all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.